Welcome to Charged Up Studio Live, where small business owners get charged up for success. Are you a small business owner? Do you find yourself struggling through the many responsibilities that come with the title entrepreneur? Well, we're here for you. Charged Up Studio is hosted by Market Academy LLC, your prescription for what we call OPA. What is OPA? It's when you become so overwhelmed with the confusion that comes with business ownership that you become paralyzed and ultimately avoid doing anything in hopes it will take care of itself or you put it off till later. Does that sound familiar? I'm your host, Dan Olivo, and each week we bring a business professional eager to charge you up as they talk about the many things that keep you from moving forward with your small business. So are you ready to get charged up for success? Let's hit it. So welcome back to Charged Up Studio, where we uncover the hidden gems of business success and learn from industry experts. I'm Dan Olivo, your host, and today we're continuing our season five monthly focus on the art of entrepreneurial responsibility for small business. A big part of entrepreneurial responsibility lies in understanding how to manage the growth of your resources entrusted to you. In today's episode, we're tackling a topic that is pivotal, that is pivotal for small business success, creating well-defined career paths within your organization. Our guest has a wealth of experience in this area, and we're eager to tap into her expertise. She's a seasoned expert in leadership development and organizational growth with a passion for helping small businesses create effective career paths within their organization. So please join me in welcoming the founder of Align Leadership Academy, Dr. Karen Jacobson. Welcome to Charged Up Studio, Karen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Now, I'm really glad to have you here. So before we get started, I always ask my guests one specific question to kind of break the ice. So can we do that now? You got it. Okay. So if you were to go back and confront your younger self, what sage advice would you give her and at what age? You know, the funny thing about that question, because I have been asked that before, and uh, personally, you know, whether it's that or changing anything in my life, no matter what age I would say, I would just say keep going, because I would not change anything in the course of my life, good, bad, or different, because that's what made me who I am today, and I would not have had this path. I would not have had the accomplishments that I've achieved without going through what I've been through. That's very good. You know, and and you're absolutely right. You know, we learn through our challenges. Those are the things that help us, you know, in the long run. So with that being said, okay, as a human potential expert, what are some of the key areas that you divide, that you dive into? I, I, I focus on what I call core skills, 
where many many places you'll find them most often they're they're um, attributed as soft skills. It's the ability to have conversations with individuals. It's the ability to have the emotional intelligence, manage yourself, manage relationships. And it's the ability to tap into our own gifts, our skill sets, so that we can show up at our, our ultimate potential and be able to either collaborate as part of a team or lead if that's our choice. And what do you see? Well, you know, what I see out there, and, and you probably see it as well, is um, as we move forward um, in business and with COVID, we've, we've had to uh, kind of pull away from in-office experience, you know, resources and things like that, and more virtual. But at the same time, um, a lot of your younger generations are coming in and they don't have those soft skills available, you know, how? So, are they... <laughs> yes. Yes. So go ahead. Ask the, the, the yeah. second question. How, how do you manage that multi-generational divide between uh, those like myself and you and things like that? And we grew up in an era where we learned how to communicate. We learned how to do face-to-face -face interviews and, and express our, where with another generation that is so used to behind the screen. Yes, absolutely. And, and one of the areas uh, of focus is actually being able to also build a multi-generational workforce. And, and I think it's important to, to differentiate, you know, every generation will have their labels. When we looked as an example years ago, the, the you know there was a statement of that they are the most selfish, the most spoiled generation. Now, baby boomers today would probably attribute that to the millennials, but originally that was written about baby boomers. That's exactly it. And and so really, what is behind the generations? The the phases are where we are in life. This is how I look at it. I, I look at the fact that when we get out of our, our primary education and whether we go into secondary education or a trade school and go into the workforce, our goal in life is, is really about self. It's about creating our identity. It's about creating our identity at work. And, and it is it, because itself, there's an, there's an attribution to it that it's also a very selfish period in life. The next phase goes into the aspect of, of starting to build the nest, starting to build the family. And, and then when we get to a certain point, we look to bring stability to the family. I don't care if you are Gen X, if you're a millennial, if you're Gen Z, if you're a baby boomer, or if you're the greatest generation, we all go through those growth phases and those archetypes in life. At a certain point, we get to a phase in life where some of that does not matter anymore. And, and we look to build the next stage. We look at our retirement, which, by the way, is happening tremendously within the baby boomer generation. While some cannot retire because of the fact that we've spoiled children and given them everything that they need and, and have incurred these huge credit card debts and still have to work to pay off. There's also 
there's also the aspect of people are having a different quality of life and the idea of being able to contribute longer. Uh, that being said, there still is an exit and there are high level uh, CEO, C-suite positions that are now being left open without necessarily uh, the the proper succession for people to move in. Yeah. And, and a lot of the reasoning behind that is the baby boomer generation was so large and the Gen Xers were maybe one or two per family. So we, we have a generation that's coming into the C-suite that is a lot smaller and millennials may not be ready. Now, when it comes to certain skill sets, the older generations were forced. There was, there was a play outside. There was no, let's do homework on FaceTime. Right. So, so having that aspect of technology, while it sped up certain things, it interrupted other things. So it's, it's looking at what is the good and the bad that's coming from every aspect around us. The other thing is when you're looking at the changes in generation, while the ideology of, of work and family and relationship is very similar, the things that are going to be different is how we do them. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. But still crossing over those generations within the workforce poses a lot of challenges as in itself because of the fact that uh, a lot of your younger generation, they really don't know what it is that they're good at or that they could um, actually apply themselves to, to grow. And so as an employer, I would say that we want to be able to pull that out of them and help them realize this, right? Absolutely. And and that's where, uh, where, where programs such as mentorship or or even... One of the things when I go in and consult with a company and, and we talk about some of those issues, we talk about where do you even start? Because succession planning, as an example, does not start when somebody is ready to retire in six months. Mm -hmm. Succession planning has to be decided upon in advance. There has to be grooming. There has to be, quote unquote, scouting. There has to be the visibility. Really, everything has to start from the onboarding of a new team member, right? Looking at what are they looking for? What are their career goals? When we also help the, the young generation or the new employees come in and the new team members will have some career goals, then there is going to be more of the, what I would call the psychic ownership, the loyalty to the company, the idea that, hey, I have a future here, I can contribute and I can grow. And being able along the way to also make sure we provide them not only with the core and hard with the hard skills that the job necessitates, but with those core quote unquote soft skills that help them also build their leadership. Right. You know, research shows today that as opposed to older times where we really promoted people based on the Peter principle. Hey, you've been in the position for long enough. You showed that you were good at work at doing the job. Now let's make you a supervisor on the job. Today, 93% of promotion is about emotional intelligence yeah. and the ability to relate to other individuals 
And, and that doesn't matter whether it's up and down the ladder, across of, of the peers and your team, but your ability to, number one, manage your emotions, manage situations, as well as manage relationships with other people so that you can lead effectively. And that all comes with the actual, you know, uh, training that we're talking about, you know, the, the advancement training that we're talking about is teaching, you know, or, or engaging them, uh, and, and I'm talking resources here, employees here, engaging them in situations where we can try and find out, you know, how, how can we help them as far as this is concerned, um, yeah, I absolutely, know. absolutely, Dan. And yeah. that is something that that actually is across the board. One of the uh, one of the companies that I'm consulting with right now, um, I'm working with their executive team, and we're actually going across the department. and And it's a it's a department in a larger organization, and the executive leadership team probably spans from late 30s into maybe somewhere early 60s. So I, I, I've got you know, executives that are looking to, that are two to three years away from retirement. And on the other hand, a, a young man who, who had just come in and is now a new leader promoted from a supervisor level. Now, while there are certain things that, that they have received within the organization, like hmm, how to write a report, how to give feedback, though, as again, are tactical. Right. Tactical training is not necessarily going to give no. strategies on how to connect and communicate and how to really enhance your team right. And, right. and how to relate and motivate. Those are other things that that we we find that with organizations, even in some of the best pro organizations that provide leadership programs, there's a gap in some of those skill sets. I, you know, I, I absolutely agree with you. You know, there's, um, you know, there, there are times the, the ability to be able to um, not emote, but to uh, empathize and to be able to see something before it happens is a, a, um, is a unique talent, <laughs> is a unique talent. And to be able to understand how to watch for those, which is critical in leadership, I would think, you know, um, is, you know. And, right? and also further, not just to be able to, to foresee some of those issues, to know how to diffuse them in advance, right. how to make sure they don't happen, but furthermore, the ability to stay neutral and not allow that to affect yourself. And, and the beauty in some of those skill sets that we're talking about is they are things that are learned. Some of them are going to be learned naturally by aging and life experience. Right. But by the same token, those same skill sets can be brought in earlier on and taught to individuals in order to expand their ability. And, and the key thing is, you know, if we take situations where oh let's you know I, I've had organizations in the past where I've gone in and like well we want a you know we want we want you to come into our conference and and do a keynote on uh, emotional intelligence and that happened to be you know for instance in in the technology industry so I go in and the room is packed and they come in and they spend an hour 
and and walk away with oh I've got I took a ton of notes and this is so enlightening and I could but what happens later on yeah yeah become shelf help yes <laughs> absolutely and and yeah. so really the concept behind it and and that's what what I do when I go in an organization is I'll give them I'll give them a breath of of transformation right what do we need to do in order to not only teach the skill sets, but anchor them and train the team members and allow people to practice so that it can become more of a habit? And as you're saying, then that aspect of being able for, to foresee like, hey, you know what? I remember that. And, and I remember even practicing that. And there it is. Now I can respond rather than react. Right, exactly. So what are some of the key benefits that small business businesses can expect when they, they implement or develop a career path for their resources? What do you think are some of the key benefits that they can be expecting? So we, we tapped on a couple of them already. And, and the first two that we tapped on is that psychic ownership. And, and psychic ownership is basically, while I might not be, um, uh, I, I might not have stock, I might not have ownership, I might not have my name on the door, I still feel a sense of pride and a sense of belonging, and I'm willing to contribute to this organization. Right. I, I, I find that when that happens, people are more willing to step up. People are more willing to support other team members. It create, it raises morale on that level as well because it will reduce conflict within the organization. And as a result, there's higher levels of collaboration. And ultimately, uh, uh, an organization will become more effective and more productive, which contributes to the bottom line. So there's really a cascade of, of events that will happen as a result. The other thing is that you have have longevity, you increase your retention, and you can build the proper succession plan. You're building the right succession plan. You're allowing people to not only progress, but also people that are needing to leave can feel more comfortable with that. Right. Right. And it is all about teamwork. It's about collaboration, you know, to, to try and, and um, maneuver in a vacuum, per se, is is not going to be beneficial to the growth of a company when you're trying to uh, build an environment, a succession plan, especially when we're talking about a successor. We want them to grow within that company with the respect and that that they deserve as they move up that that ladder. Oh, absolutely. And and the most valuable thing, uh, this is something that uh, even, even uh, I remember, uh, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was a quote by Richard Branson, and he talks about that the most valuable aspect of your business are your human capital. Right. And the, the, and if you treat your people well, they will support the company. And, and the bottom line when it comes to that. I don't care. You could have the greatest product. You could have the greatest location. You could have a great opportunity and great marketing. But if you don't have a team that is working collaboratively to advance the organization, to promote the products, to serve the customers, 
and to support each other, then it's going to crash. And and that brings up another, you know, another important aspect to um, what we're talking about. And that boils down to the, um, uh, the feeling for the company itself and the customer experience that's happening. Okay. If your employees can't buy into what you're doing and what you what the expectations are on the back end as far as the employees, then the growth process is not going to work. So being able to communicate, I'm I'm trying to think of how I want to put the words <laughs> on this. Is- well, I hear you and what that what bring what that brings to mind to me, because that's one of the reasons why we created, yeah. we created aligned leadership academy. Right. And aligned, the concept of alignment is alignment from within and alignment from without. So if you if you take the big picture, it's knowing that on on a level, there's alignment between the mission, the vision of the organization at large, the team that I belong to and myself as a team member, but also with how I now serve the community or the customer or the client, whoever that might be. And, and everything is in alignment, which allows proper flow. No, I, I definitely, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, and, and that's exactly what I was trying to state is the fact that, you know, as a business owner myself, I'm talking about myself, you know, it's my culture, it's my passion that's driving that business. But if I can't communicate that to my team members, to my resources, they are not going to go into um, this this whole process of growing with the company and things like that with the same level of passion that I have if I can't communicate it effectively. So, so I, I would say that um, I, I'd love to. I, I'd love to say because this is coming from from experience, and I remember when when years ago when I used to run my chiropractic offices. And I was honestly, I, I was so passionate and I, I had colleagues that would say, you know, no matter how you slice Karen, if you, you know, inside out, outside or whatever, she would just like bleed chiropractic. And I had struggles with hiring. First reason was because of the fact that I was looking for somebody who was going to be as passionate about what I do as I am. And when I was willing to let go of that, but communicate my message and make sure that they embrace the message and and embrace the service and embrace what we offer, then I know I have a good ground to start with. Right. And in that situation, the way I used to do it was I changed the way I, I would interview. And the first thing would be, people would come in and uh, and I would have a conversation about what to expect from the office and from what I do. And at the end of that talk, if that was something that didn't resonate with them, they didn't need to stay for the interview. Right, right, right. But you need to be able to communicate that clearly. Absolutely. Every single, every, every single business needs to be able to communicate from the top down and from the bottom up just because of the fact that I might have my my values and my vision on a website 
doesn't mean that people understand them, doesn't mean that people embrace them, and does not mean that they even follow them. Right. Right. And, and so when it comes to messaging, that message needs to be so crystal clear and simplified, simplified, that they can pull it out, they can grasp it, gather around it, understand it, and share it as well. So small businesses often have limited resources. So how can they effectively implement a career development program within their small business without straining their budgets? Do you have a process or something like that that you can offer our audience? Absolutely. And and all the different programs, they are, they are, you know, I, I, and I know many will say that our, you know, our programs are custom tailored. The way I work with an organization, um, and, and I've been coined before the, the team whisperer, because I will go into an organization and, and actually be an extension of their team. And what I mean by that is I will go in, I will connect with everyone, I will see the problems from within and start working on that. And the program is designed to be specific for them. Whether it's a team of five that I'm working with or a organization that has 500, the program will be adapted according to their needs specifically. Now, there are always opportunities. There are programs that are custom designed when organizations want them. And there are, and there are programs that are also more, quote unquote, off the shelf in a can that, that, can, that an organization can have. There are also opportunities for uh, licensing. You know, there are coaching programs, there are assessments, there's, there is a wide variety. When, when someone, when, when an organization will choose to work, the first thing that we do is we're going to have a conversation to make sure that we're a right fit. And, and then I will find out, identify what some of their challenges are and, and have um, a conversation and, and explain exactly how organizations work with our company and what are the benefits that they can they can look for and we look to identify the problem do they want a quick immediate solution or are they looking to transform and that is how the programs are designed to fit that need right right so let's talk retention rates now how can we now naturally putting a program in like this is designed to, you know, reduce the turnover rates. Okay. But part of that, part of this whole process has to be, has to happen within the hiring process as well. Absolutely. Yeah. That's where, so, so we want to make sure also um, that we're hiring the right people for the organization. You know, that's what I started alluding to before when I started talking about even within my own business, when I was a solo practitioner hiring for, for a chiropractic, I had to trans learn how to transform my hiring process and do behavior-based hiring. And what do I mean by that? Originally, I was hiring for the front because I wanted somebody that was going to be, you know, bubbly and exciting. And, and I kind of hired people that were like me. Now, I confess I can't type more than about 30 words a minute. 
And those were the people that I ended up finding. Yeah. And and hence, those were the ones that could not do the jobs that were necessary in order to run the administrative side of the office. Big mistake in hiring. Mm-hmm. And, and so I had to learn how to change the hiring process to make it fit the position, not necessarily what I thought I wanted and who I thought I wanted. I'd still want to make sure that that the person up front has a nice bubbly persona but they had to have the skills in order to fill that position. And they also had to have the inclination to be able to do that job. So in today's world, we take that a step further. And when I go into an organization and they are looking to hire, we actually benchmark a position. We find out who the ideal candidates are for the job requirements. And, And think of it this way, like we create a template Right. of what the candidate would be and through the through the and and that even gives us information on how to post a better ad and how to ask certain questions even during the interview which make part of that selection process and the third part would be doing an assessment behavioral assessments to match to see how well they fit in and you know what those are things that I've done with organizations that were as small as under 20 uh, 20 employees to, to hire a a manager. You know, most of those are are better done when it's more of the leadership position. You don't need to go to that extent if you're going to hire customer service, but there's still aspect of understanding who the right type of customer services individual might be and still be able to hire based on their behavior style. Right, right. Right, exactly, exactly. So how can small businesses strike a balance between fostering employee growth and their immediate operational needs? The first thing would be to always look at what you have and who you have. Right. And provide them with the skill sets and fill the gaps. So an an immediate action that a business owner can take right now is looking at who do I have on my team? Do how well do I know them? How well do I know their skill sets? How well do I know are they really the right fit for the right position? So often we we end up with somebody because they were um, a recommendation from a friend or a neighbor and and they kind of fell into that position, especially in small businesses where where a lot of it might come through referrals. And and we're not necessarily always hiring based on skill and, and match. And while while very often we'll say, you know, we have somebody who might be overwhelmed um sometimes it's not so much that they're overwhelmed they're undermatched or they're mismatched right right you know give you an example when when we talked about having somebody sitting at the front desk who is more of the chatty person might be great at customer service but wasn't great at at other at at, at billing or any of the manual tasks, mm-hmm. and and that was a gap, and that was a gap that ends up growing within the business and gets hidden and tucked in a drawer somewhere until they're all of a sudden you find out that hey there wasn't proper billing done for the last six to eight months. Right, right. No, definitely, definitely. So. What advice do you have for small business leaders who may be hesitant 
or unsure about embarking on this journey? So the, the simple thing is to is to look at to start start with the self. You know, what are what are your concerns and, right. and why are you concerned? Is it because you don't know what to do? Is it because you're not sure whether it's going to work? Or uh, you don't know you, you you know all the questions that you might have? And in situations like that, the best thing would be first of all to list your own concerns. Just right. kind of take a self-assessment, know where you are with the process and, and look at some of the resources of what can I do right now on my own before I venture out to seek additional um, advice from the outside. By the same token, do not attempt to be one that's doing everything. Uh, the best example for that is if I put my home up for sale, I'm not a real estate agent. I'm not going to to do all the work and attempt to understand the contract and everything else. I'm going to hire the expert from the outside because ultimately they'll do a better job. They'll find the issues. And in the long run, when I make that kind of investment, I'm still free to do the job that I'm best at. So as a business owner, do not attempt to make shortcuts. Do the assessment and the evaluation. I Right. But then go and seek the experts. And and like like uh, most experts, you know, many of us, you, you just pick up the phone and, and you want to have a conversation and ask questions. Right. There's no there's no cost to that. Right. You know, that's one of the reasons why I went in, in my business when I was set up. It's like you want to talk and ask some questions, see if it's the right fit. Let's go ahead and set up a time. We'll do that. We'll do a capability briefing. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll answer some of the, the, you know, big questions. And if we choose to move forward, we can have a conversation about that. Right. No, definitely. <laughs> definitely. So we're coming up on the end of another episode of Charged Up Studio. And thank you, Karen, for joining us today and shedding light on how we can build an engaged team of employees committed to the growth of our small businesses. So how can our listeners reach you should they wish to? Very easy. I am um, on, on online, on all social media, whether it's my website, whether it's LinkedIn, probably between the website, there is a contact form there and LinkedIn are probably the best two ways to reach me. And that would be Dr. Karen Jacobson, J-A-C-O-B-S-O-N. Those would be the easiest ways. You can also connect, follow on on on. What's it? Whether it's Facebook or Instagram or any of those, there's there's always something that I'm posting. And and again, right there, there's a lot of a lot of complimentary guidance that right. one can can see. Whether it's watching the YouTube videos or listening to some of these wonderful podcasts, this podcast once it's done, it's on my it sits it lives on my website as well. So right. and there are tons of others. There's lots of information that an individual can glean from just watching, reading, and listening. All those, uh, all those are available. And all of Karen's information and contact information will be included in the transcripts of this podcast once it drops. Um, that concludes our podcast for today. Please leave a review on any of the streaming platforms you're listening to us on or go to our Charged Up Studio Facebook page and leave a review there. Charged Up Studio is the product of Marketatomy LLC and Marketatomy.academy. 
the e-learning system designed specifically with the micro business owner in mind. For more information and to register for any of our many courses, go to Marketatomy, M-A-R-K-E-T-A-T-O-M-Y dot academy. Once again, this is Dana Olivo, your host for Charged Up Studio. And thank you once again, Dr. Karen Jacobson, for being our special guest today. And for everybody else, let's go out, have another Charged Up week. And next week, I'll bring you another special guest. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Charged Up Studio Live, the podcast with you, the small business owner in mind, with your host, Dana Olivo. Join us every Tuesday as we bring you valuable tips and insights into many of the topics you don't know you don't know about growing a successful business. Please leave us a review on any of the streaming platforms you are listening to or visit us on the YouTube or Facebook page and leave a review or subscribe so you don't miss another episode. You can also support us through Patreon by visiting our website, chargedupstudio.live, and click on the Patreon link. Until next week, go out and have a charged up week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.